Welcome to the Dime Podcast, where we share our two cents about five questions to help simplify your business so you can focus on your mission. Today, we're talking about how you hire wealth in your organization. And this is such a big deal in every organization, for-profits, non-profits, we all need to hire good people who we need to get on board and how we get them on board. And so I'm your host, Nils Smith. I'm joined by founder and CEO of Dime, Ben Habeck. And Ben, as we jump into this topic, I would love to know what your first job was or one of the first jobs you remember having as a young adult or teenager? Well, I'm, I'm a very entrepreneurial person. So I think when I was eight or nine years old, I'd, I started mowing yards for neighbors. I'd actually drive up or drive. I'd walk up the street and there was an old lady up the road and I'd borrow her push mower. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't even a gas lawnmower, so I didn't have to start it. And I would, I would drag that around behind my bicycle and I'd go mow people's yards. And then at one point I was a... a land surveyor where I carried that post around and no way. You know, there was a guy way down the street and I'd put it on the curb and I'd say, this is the curb and he'd take some video of it or something. And <laughs> how, how old were you when you did land surveying? Oh gosh, I was probably 16 years old. Nice. And uh, it, was a, it was a totally like outside of my comfort zone. And uh, I was, I grew up in Northeastern Ohio and it, I, I started that job in the winter time. And so imagine me as a 16 year old, I'm wearing these big Carhartt outfit, walking around in you know, two degree weather in the middle of snow and <laughs> you know, standing out freezing my butt off for hours and hours and hours. Wow, wow. I, I, my first job that I can remember, and I, I, I mean, I, I would say I had the entrepreneurial mode lawns, I sold baseball cards out of my locker, things like that. But my first job where I had to go in and, and clock in, uh, I was 16 years old and I worked at a plant nursery, like a plant shop where you go plant, buy plants oh, yeah. for $4.25 an hour in the sun in, in the summer of Houston huh. um, where I would work like four hours, which is the, all I could work because they, they would wear me out moving 50 pound bags of manure from one side of the shop to the other uh, all day, every day. And I got the best workout in the world getting paid i mean literally all day for like 16 bucks uh <laughs> it was brutal i i think it's it's such a great learning experience of it made me so work so hard to go to college then and and determined not to do that because I, I knew uh, in that season that i did not want to make four four and a quarter an hour <laughs> moving manure for the rest of my life um then when it comes to hiring uh people often talk about getting the right people on the bus. And, and then there's this balance with the people on the bus of, do you get the right people on the bus and find the right seats for them? Or do you need to pick out what seats you need filled in your organization and then go hire the people philosophically? I'd love to hear your perspective on where you begin when it comes to hiring well and getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. Well, I think it's a, it's a balance. I mean, ultimately you have to start with, the position. What are what do we need? What does our organization need? Um, and then, for us, when we go out to to hire people, we are looking for uh, people that are yes qualified for the position, and yes, they have the experience potentially, um, you know, and they have the education and all that stuff, the personality, etc. Um, but we're also looking for are they a good fit for us culturally? Do they believe in our vision? Um, are they like minded? Uh, you know, we have some, some real key core values and, and 
um, you know, maybe we'll talk about this in a little bit, but we have specific expectations for employees that we set out for them. And so when we go into that interview process, we're trying to determine, is this person a good fit for the expectations that we're going to set out for the position, but also for the company. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot in it. I, I would say that, that that concept of getting the right people on the bus and then finding the right seat for them, um, it's, a, it's a great theory. Um, it's very hard to do in a small business. If you're a big corporation and you can spend money, you know, sort of onboarding people and that sort of thing, then um, I think it's easier. But for a small business, you got to make sure they're a good fit for the position and that they're going to be able to do what you need them to do and then make sure they're going to be a good fit for the company culturally. Yeah, that's great. And, and when it comes to f- filling that seat on the bus, that seat is best defined by job description. And so this is, this is a, a, a challenge for, for many people is, is and I'm, I'm not a details guy, Ben. And so I, when, when it comes to creating a job description, I'm, I'm, I like that, that line that says, or other responsibilities as deemed, you know, uh, by the supervisor of let's just keep it broad and we get the right people on the bus. But, but how important is that job description when it comes to hiring the right people? I, I would say in, in our company, we believe that it is the most important. So we actually don't even call it a job description. Um, so the first thing we do is we answer a couple of questions before we even sort of put the position together. Um, we, we first say, what is this person going to do? We make a list of things that they're going to do. Um, then we make a list of things that, you know, what are the, what do they have to know in order to do those things? What do they have to know? Um, and then we list those things out. Then we make another list of what special skills do they have to have in order to accomplish these tasks or these responsibilities. Um, and then we ask what, what do we have to do logically to get them on board? You know, compensation benefits, um, you know, that sort of thing. So we answer those questions and then we build what we call a position contract. And again, this isn't something I made up. This is people have been doing this for years, but this is, this is, uh, I think this concept actually comes from ISO 9000 uh, sort of manufacturing world, but it's a position contract. Um, and the first thing we do is we say, okay, we've answered these questions. Now what, what one sentence can we use to describe you know, or to explain to them at the end of the day, you are successful in your job if you do this. And so we write one sentence that, that sort of covers all of that. That's the vision. Um, then we list things out that we expect from them strategically. And we list things out that we expect from them tactically. And then every tactical expectation has a very specific position expectation. So we might say you have to pay the bills. That's part of your job description is to pay the bills. Um, then in the position, that's a tactical expectation. Then in the position specific, we would say, um, you know, by every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p or 11 a.m., you must have all bills that have been received entered into the system, and you must have a bank reconciliation completed and to your manager. So that's position specific. It's measurable tactical expectation, and then this is how we expect it to be done and when. And then the last thing we put in there is company-wide expectations. And we've just come up with a list of things that uh, we have determined as important to us. So things like, I want employees to be forward thinking. I want them to be self-starters. And so I list these things out and I give them an explanation of what that means. Um, and then we sign it. The employee reads it. I, we go over it with them. And then we sign it together. And this is, this is their, 
management contract, their operational contract. And this is how they're measured for employee reviews or for performance reviews, for bonuses, et cetera. But we live by those things. That position contract is what drives everything. It sets all the expectations. That's incredible. I'd, I think we're going to do a whole nother podcast on job description because I, uh, there's so much there. And I think from a, I hope if you'll just rewind that part of the podcast and listen to it again, uh, two or three times, that is, uh, let me, let me sum it up in a a very quick thing. So the, the whole point of the position contract is to set very clear strategic and tactical expectations for the employee and for the employer to say, this is what we expect at, for every employee to act in this certain way. And then, we, and then you know, the, the contract is really, we're agreeing to pay you and to provide you all these benefits and these sort of things in exchange for completing this work that we've you know, clearly outlined for you. So it's all about setting expectations on both sides. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I, I don't know how many jobs I've had. I've never had a contract like that. But boy, have I needed that kind of clarity when I interviewed, when I took a job, after I had a job, uh, the, the value of a document like that uh, to an employee, to a potential employee, uh, that's, that's gold. Um, and, I, and I think that it just makes so much sense going into every new hire that, that you've got to prioritize that, that document and, and work with that employee that you're hiring around that document. Let's, let's shift uh, maybe to expanding to another document that, that I've seen that Dime created, and that's your employee handbook. Um, it's an incredible document that, that I know you prioritized. T- tell us a little bit about what, what an employee handbook is, what Dime's employee handbook is. How does that work into the employee process? Is this thing you share before a hire, after a hire? Where, where does this fit into the process of hiring? Um, you know, as I've talked about in this podcast many times, it, it ultimately goes back to the vision and why we're doing what we're doing. Um, so my quest, I've had jobs before where there was very little clarity on what my responsibility was. And, you know, for me, I, you know, at a, at a fairly young age, I was, I sort of quickly climbed into a higher level position at a company and it wasn't because I'm super smart or super good. I think I literally fell into it. Um, but especially at those higher level positions, there's, there's a lack of clarity on um, expectations. And so the position contract sets clear expectations and the employee handbook is really just an extension of that. So I really want to, uh, with the employee handbook, I want to set Uh, I want to make sure that I'm reiterating why we're doing what we're doing. And so I wrote just a simple letter at the very beginning um, that says, man, here's when I started this company, this is how I felt. And this is why I started the company and how I started it. Um, And here's the reason why we're in business. And I want you to work for this company. And I want you to want to work for this company. You are choosing to work here as much as I'm choosing to have you work here. And so this is a relationship. It's not just me, your boss hiring you come in and do your job and get out of here. This is a relationship. And so I want you to be on board with our vision and where we're going. And then I want to set some clear sort of expectations for um, what I want out of employees and what I expect. And that's really, um, it's, it's, we actually list these things in the position contract and we, we reiterate them in the employee handbook. Um, and these are just, you know, eight or 10 things that I've said, um, I really want our employees to do. And we could do another podcast on those um, 
because I think it's really important for companies to do that. Set that sort of high level expectation. I want employees to do this. It's not in your position contract or your job description, but these are the feelings that I want you to have and the expectations that I want you to have. Um, and then everything else is sort of this legalese stuff, but it sets clear expectations. If you're not accomplishing the goals within your position contract, then here's how we're going to handle that. And we're going to have a logical you know, way or methodology for you know, dealing with these things. Um, and in exchange for this, these are the type of employee benefits that you can get. Here's what happens if you get injured on the job, that sort of thing. And honestly, the employee handbook, <laughs> I think a lot of people look at that and say, this is like stupid HR stuff and let's just get through it and move on with life. But I, I feel like we've done a, a really good job of leveraging that opportunity and that, that document to, um, to recast vision, recast expectations, and honestly, on that first day when an employee comes in and we go through that handbook again, they, I think they walk out of that meeting excited and sort of energized for what they get to do and what we get to do as a company. And that's, that's really the goal uh, for that handbook. But it's, it is highly important. And we, we actually send it to employees or prospective employees so they know what they're getting into um, before they even come and interview or before they accept the job. Yeah, that that's great. I I went and I you sent me a copy of your employee handbook, and and I had a chance to to read over it. And I remember thinking, man, I want to go work at Don. Yeah, <laughs> do I think uh, I think they might hire me. Uh, it was it's it's awesome, uh, and I've got to say that for for the Dime uh, employee handbook. So as I understand though, these two documents is basically the position contract is a, is a def definition of your seat on the bus, and the employee handbook is how we function collectively on the bus. Am I, does that fit into that? Yep, that's exactly right. And then we actually, we actually go one step further. And um, for some people, it may be overkill. Um, but for us, it's, it's just important. So we go one step further, and we have what we call method documents. And those method documents say, if you're if the expectation is for you to pay bills, that's the tactical expectation. And then the position specific says, you know, they need to be entered in the system by Tuesday at 2 p.m., uh, the method document says, now this is exactly how we want you to enter them into the system. Log in here, click this button here, put this information here, 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 um, and et cetera. And so it's step-by-step, step. you know, we stole this from McDonald's really. This is how to make the hamburger, if you will. Um, but for us, it's about being consistent. And so a lot of times this is this is mainly a training document, but this is how we want things done. So we're consistent across the board, makes us really, really efficient and effective. And it makes us, makes it really easier for us to go back and track and find, figure out what happened because in theory, everybody's doing things the same way. So we deal with hundreds of millions of dollars here and hundreds of different accounting files and things like that. And I promise you, I can log into any one of our customers QuickBooks files of their accounting system, and I can find all the communications around any transaction that was entered in there for $5 to $5 million. It's really important to us. Wow. Wow. That, those, those documents, that method document as well, uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I, I think if you don't have those in your organization, and you might think, I don't know how we would create one, start thinking about it. Think about the things you do on a week-to-week -week basis or a month-to-month basis of, of start documenting those processes and then lay those out uh, for your employees. I think there's a, there's a place where you can start. You don't have to have those tomorrow, uh, but begin developing those. I can see where 
every role. I, as I think back to my professional career, that could have been documented and, and clarity created around it. Well, let's let's talk about finding the right people uh, as we have those kind of documents and we define those roles and we define our culture and our vision. Um, how do we filter through candidates when it comes to resumes coming in, interview processes? What what advice, Ben, do you have for leaders when it comes to filtering people through to get the right person on the bus? It's, it's, it is absolutely the hardest thing, I think, to do. Um, the, the hiring, people management, firing, you know, that sort of thing is, in, in my opinion, or at least in my experience, it is, is the hardest thing in it for a, a business or a church or a nonprofit to do is, is that side of things. So, um, we, there, there are a lot of people, I've heard a lot of organizations that like to hire slow. Um, we like to do that too, but we don't like to hire too slow. We're a quickly growing organization and sometimes we need to hire really fast. Um, but the, so the first place we start is with our current employees. So for example, if we need to hire a bookkeeper, we want to go to our bookkeepers and managers and say, Hey, you all know what's expected in the position. You know how to do the job. Who do you know that might be a good fit for this? Um, we have found that our best employees are those people. And for what it's worth, um, we've been in business for 11 years and of our first five employees, we still have three of them. So we have very little turnover in our organization. Um, and I think a lot of that is because of that clarity we've helped create um, and we've helped get people in the right sort of position in the, you know, in the organization. So we spend a lot of time setting the expectations early on. We then ask employees, hey, who do you know that would be a good fit? That's usually our best way. Uh, sometimes we use social media and other things to, uh, you know, promote that. Um, then we take people through a series of interviews. Um, it, it sounds a lot more logical uh, than, than what it really is. It's, hey, we just want a lot of people to talk to this person. And, and that interview process is, for us, we're, we're trying to figure out if they're a good fit, if they can do the job. Um, but we also, one of the main questions I always ask in an interview is, where do you want to be in five years? And how does Dime, or how does this position at Dime help you get there? So if the worst thing that could happen in an interview is, I hire you because I think you're a good fit or because I like you and you come and work for us because you like us and it doesn't work. So what we're trying to do is avoid that. We may like each other. We may not like each other, but at the end of the day, if it's a good fit, then we want to pursue it. So our goal in that whole interview process, and we tell people to interview us as much as we're interviewing them because they're the ones making the decision to come work here. It's not just us. Um, so, we, we take them through a series of interviews, um, multiple people, the more people, the better. And then we do a personality profile and we use the predictive index. Um, we've used right path in the, in the past. Um, there's tons of personality profiles out there. They're all good. I think they all say pretty much the same thing. Um, but at the end of the day, we're, we've, we've sort of looked at our staff and said, these employees are great employees in these positions and here's their personality. Candidate, do you match that same similar kind of personality? And the predictive index does a great job of doing that. Um, you know, and then we sort of walk slowly through that process before we hire people. What, what, what about Ben, when, when your hair's on fire and you, you've got to find somebody really fast, is there a way to expedite the process or do you find that that's where you get yourself in trouble when, when you start expediting processes around hiring? 
Um, sometimes that's, uh, I mean, I think logically it's, it's, that's where you would make a bad decision. Yeah. Um, but sometimes that's when we make our best decisions. And honestly, sometimes when, when sort of the, your hair is on fire or whatever, and you've yeah. got to find somebody quickly, um, you end up finding somebody or we've in the past found somebody internally that hasn't been overly excited about the position they're in now, mm. or it doesn't match their personality perfectly. Um, it gives us a great opportunity to move somebody into a different position in the organization that's better suited for them. Yeah. Um, and for what it's worth, I learned something from my uncle actually, who, who ran a very large multi-billion dollar company for a long time. Um, he calls it the three strike rule. Okay. Um, one of the things that we do, um, and I've adopted this is, um, if, if people in the organization are, if we've done all this work on the front end, we've set position contracts, we've set the method documents, we've set all the expectations and clarity, we've done the personality profiles, we think they're a good fit, they think we're a good fit, and we jump in with both feet. If somebody's trying, and they're a good person generally, and they're working hard, then, but they're just not successful in their position, mm -hmm. then shame on us. Somehow along the way, we've done a bad job determining if they're a good fit for that position. We are not going to fire that person. Hmm. We're going to work to find a different position in the company, if we can, that will be better suited for them. And we will try our hardest to sort of, you know, determine what that is. And we'll work really hard, but we're not going to fire them. Hmm. Um, on the flip side, if there is somebody that is perfectly suited for their position, spent all that time doing the due diligence, and they're a great fit for it, but they're, they're not trying hard and they have the potential to be successful. If they're not trying, then they really don't have a, a, a place in our organization. Yeah. So I don't know why we call it the three strike rule, but <laughs> <laughs> that's what we call it. Yeah. And really, we want people that are trying and we want people, we want to do our due diligence on the front end to make sure we're both fit, you know, yeah. corporately and, and the person. And then we want to set them up for success. That's great. You know, I heard Gary Vaynerchuk recently say that if, if, if you're a leader of employees and you think they work from you, you've really got it wrong. Uh, a lot of times we need to flip that. And as leaders, think about how are we best serving? How are we best empowering? How are we best supporting our, our employees that report to us? Uh, but we sometimes need to flip that of how we, how we set them up to succeed. Let's, ben, let's talk about money. A little bit because it's a big part of the hiring process and there's some awkwardness here of when do you bring up money? When do you talk about money? How do you make sure you're compensating well for a position? How, how do you navigate that? What and what successes or, or mistakes have you made uh, in this process or seen others make? It's, a, it's another hard question. This is always uh, for us. It's not an awkward discussion. It's a it's a difficult thing to figure out. Yeah. Um, for us, we deal with money all day long, so it's it's not awkward or or uh, you know anything to communicate with people about money. In fact, we're we talk about it on the very very front end. Um, again, for us, it's all about setting clear expectations. So we go into it with an expectation that we're going to pay somewhere between this range and this range, um, and we don't necessarily like to just flat out tell that person that. But we we ask the question on the the very first interview, what are your expectations from a compensation perspective? And we don't say, what are your salary expe expectations? Because compensation is totally different from salary. Um, so we say, what are your expectations from a compensation perspective? Um, and that, if they come in with some astronomical number, then we'll just flat tell them, well, we are worlds apart. And it's probably not going to be a good fit. Um, but 
if we get all the way down the road and the last thing is money and that's the hangup, we've spent a lot of time, you know, getting to a, a no when we could have kind of nipped that in the bud early on. Yeah. Um, so we bring it up right on the front end. And then and, and we've explain the difference. You said compensation is different than salary expectation. Can you, can you explain the difference there? Yeah. So, so a salary obviously is we're going to pay you X amount of money per year or per month or whatever, or yeah. we're going to pay you X number of dollars per hour for work. Um, compensation takes into consideration things like employee benefits. It takes into consideration uh, annual bonuses. It takes into consideration um, commission structures, yeah. uh, all these other additional kind of fringe benefits. Lots of companies these days are offering different kinds of fringe benefits and, and honestly, I, I found lots of employees uh, care less about the, uh, the annual salary and more about the total package. So what is it that I'm going to get? Am I going to get some flexibility to work from home? Am I going to get the potential for a bonus? How is that calculated? Can I make commissions, et cetera? And so I, I like to talk about compensation over salary. Yep, that's good. That's good. And, and, and it, as, as you move into this, and even as, as, if, if you were to lay out a, you know, $40,000 to $60,000 a year package, or, or this is the range, people, when they're coming interviewing for a, a job, they might think they're on the $60,000. You think you're there on the $40,000. How, how do you communicate that we value you uh, when th there, there's often that perceived lack of value in, the, in that negotiation process. So it's a, it's a challenging negotiation or you just state when you offer the job, this is the salary we're offering you. Um, it's, there's just this awkwardness around that salary aspect of the job offer. Yeah, there, there can be some, some awkwardness. So I like to have, <laughs> as you've heard me say, I like to have a logical explanation for why we are making the decisions that yeah. we're making. So I've heard of some organizations that like to do a, pay grading system, mm -hmm. which says, here's 10 questions I'm going to answer on behalf of this candidate. We're going to give them uh, a specific number of points for each question. Based on the total number of points you get, this is what your you know, pay range is or your compensation range sure. is. Um, there's pay scales, which basically says, if you're a manager, you're in this range. If you're a director, you're in this range, etc. Um, and then the way we do it is really based on the position. So if you're a bookkeeper, you make somewhere around, you know, between this range. If you're a, uh, you know, a manager uh, for accounting, you're making this range. If you're a tax accountant, you're making this range, et cetera. And that's really, I, I just picked that. I think there's other ways of doing it that are as effective, but I've just said, I want to be fair. Yeah. If we're hiring for this position, I want everybody that's in that position to make I've set really clear expectations. There aren't people in that position that are doing things they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Everybody's really doing the same thing. So I want everybody to get paid generally the same amount of money. So on the very front end, we can easily say this position pays between 40 and $50,000. Yeah. And do you communicate how pay increases happen at the beginning or is it basically, this is what this job salary is um, and to you know, to increase pay, you need to shift jobs, you know, move into a different role within our company. How, how do you, how do you approach that from a communication standpoint at that in the hiring process? Um, so I'll tell you how we do it. And yeah. then I'll tell you, I think how other companies 
can and should do it. Okay. Great. Can or should do it. So the way we do it is every the the position gets paid the same amount, and you don't necessarily get a raise uh, because you've been in that position for too long or whatever for a period of time or something like that. We just say this is how much you get paid, and and we try to pay those people um, based upon the amount of work they're doing. Yep. So the the amount of revenue, customer revenue that they're managing or that they're overseeing, you know, we sort of set those salary or those compensation targets based upon that amount of revenue. Um, but I really want employees that are looking to grow in the organization. Mm-hmm. So if an employee wants to stay a bookkeeper forever, totally fine with that. I think that's great. Do it. Yeah. Um, if an employee wants to grow in the organization, that's how they can make more money. So pursue being a manager, pursue another position in the organization that takes you up in compensation, but also takes you up in responsibility and, you know, that sort of thing. So that's how we do it. Um, We sort of set standard expenses and that's really what drives it. What's our expense uh, compared to that revenue. So that's how we do it. Um, I've seen other organizations, you know, like I said, with those, pay scales or pay ranges or grading systems. Um, If you go out for a lot of churches, they say, if you go out and get a master's degree, we'll add more points to your grade, which can move you up. And I think that's an an extremely effective way to to do that. My opinion is every organization is just a little bit different and every industry is a little bit different. So you have to figure out, you know, what is it that motivates your employees and compensate based upon that? Yeah. That's good. That's good. It's a, it's a complex uh, topic uh, to say the least and, and, and really figuring that out and navigating the right structure for your unique organization. Well, Ben, as we wrap up this podcast talking about hiring well, what final thoughts would you share with leaders when it comes to hiring well? Um, <clears throat> so the last thing I would say is that uh, if you're a leader, um, I think we feel like we are, we are the hiring person. So we're the, we are the boss. And so people should feel honored to come and work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is I, I even sometimes Nils get emotional when people choose to come and work at dime mm-hmm. because I was the guy that just decided one day to start a business. And I walked into my home office day one. And the fact that people would be interested in coming to help me accomplish this vision that that God has set out for us and that our company is doing, it makes me emotional. I feel really, really honored when people choose to work here. And so I want to honor those people by helping set really, really clear expectations. It's my responsibility or it's our responsibility as the hiring managers to set those expectations, to follow through on the commitments that we are making to them you know, we're committing to them just like they're committing to us to get the job done. We're committing to them not just to pay them well or pay them at all. We're, we're committing to provide a really great corporate culture, room to grow. We're committing to helping them accomplish their life goals and their life missions. So I'm always extremely humbled. I'm very honored. And frankly, I get emotional when, when people choose to work here. And I, I think, you know, I think we as hiring managers need to understand that, um, you know, people are choosing to come and work with us and for us. And so we, we need to really respect that and honor those people. So good. So good. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Dime Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you might be listening. And if you would leave a rating or review, it would mean the world to us. To learn more about Dime, go to our website, simpledime.com, about how we can help 
provide relief to your organization. Thanks so much for listening.